difficult, 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 um, welcome to uh, Difficult Women. I'm Katie. And I'm Marie. And we're in the band Reformed Whores. Yeah. All the ho 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 jokes. Right, right. You may if have you're just totally tuning in, not like, gotten what? that reference, but that's what it is. Um, it occurred to me the other day, we've been promoting our Patreon account. We have a Patreon account if you'd like to join us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. But we never clarified. That to find us on Patreon, I'm not sure we ever clarified that you ha- you look up reformed whores, not difficult women. Oh. So I'm imagining just thousands of people are looking up difficult women on Patreon and not finding oh, us. Oh no! And we're Very good out. point, folks. Join us on Patreon. Look up reformed whores mm-hmm. specifically on Patreon, not deformed horses. Reformed <laughs> whores. It's a different. Do we band. own that website? We that did. We used. To, I think we still do. We used to have we that never joke. Did anything with and it? And then people would go to deformedhorses.com and there'd be a picture of me in a horse outfit, and then you in just like a little outfit, a little square dancing. Yeah, it was cute. It was a. It was a brilliant branding. It was supposed to joke do something else plan. Never happened. Anyway, no. <laughs> follow us on Patreon. <laughs> do it. Um, and for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it is a uh, like crowd sourcing. Foundation place. We got him with that one. God, I don't know. I'll work on that. (laughs) That mark. That's that sell. But the point is that you come and you uh you you can donate. Yeah, uh, you basically are like subscribing. So you pay for Netflix, right? How much? How much is Netflix a month? It's like fifteen dollars. It's like seventy five dollars nowadays. Really? Oh my god! Am I that how much I'm paying? (laughs) That's why I'm so poor. Last time I checked, it was like eleven ninety nine. I was like, when I first signed up, it was seven ninety nine. What's happening? Mine's like fourteen. Why are they charging eleven? I don't know. Well, so you can pay a lot less than that and get way more entertainment. That's uh, right. From us, you get like behind the scenes footage, uh, a video we're gonna post soon of us going to Beyonce. Hey ho. That was really great. That was great. Um, some um, music that nobody ever should hear, but we're going to still share it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> There's some songs that never quite made it, and they are fascinating. <laughs> but And our subscribers will be able to uh, tap into that stuff. So, mm-hmm. And then us. also, uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, or you can purchase any of our albums on through iTunes, or you can, you can email us and we'll send you an album. We have so many albums. Physical if copies. If you want an actual CD, please let please, us know. Please, dear God. People stopped buying those anyway. a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been unfortunate for us. We made a mistake. Yep. Speaking of mistakes, I have a funny oh, story. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so this is kind of crazy. This is kind of unrelated to what we're talking about today, but it happened to me last night, oh. and uh, it is definitely on brand. And I just thought, I was like, I'm going to throw this out here, like this thing that happened. So okay. I was, um, I got, you know, I get a couple like, uh, like, you know, notifications every day about, people that are liking me on my, my Your Tinder. Or- yeah, all those like apps and stuff. So I got wow. like a, a notification. I'm checking him out and I see this one notification from this guy and like there's no pictures of his face. Like every picture is like just a sliver of the side of his face or like the bottom half of like his jaw or something. Mm. And then and I'm like, mm, that's shady. Then I see on like the the messaging part or like the, you know, when you can leave stuff about yourself, it says like something you should know about me is the prompt. And he says, I'm like, in, in, not engaged, but he says to oh me like, Lord. I'm like taken or I'm, I'm already 
in something. Okay. So I was like, all right, this is interesting. Do I say something or do I just like ignore it, swipe left and like move on with my life? And I was going to just like be like, it's not my business, whatever. But then I was like, no, I want to talk to this guy. I'm curious, like what's going on here? For women everywhere? For women everywhere. <laughs> and for me Thanks, personally. <laughs> yeah. and for just me and my own curiosity. Huh. So I like messaged him and I was like, are you married? And he wrote back immediately. Yes. And I was like, uh, what are you doing on here? And he said, I'm looking for something casual and fun. And I was Ugh. like, does your wife know you're on here? And he said, no. And I was like, how long have you been married? And he said, 15 years. And I said, that's a long time. And he goes, hmm, yeah, yeah, it is. And then he started asking me questions like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm in a comedy band. I'm going to talk to you, talk about you on this Yeah, podcast. I'm going to talk about this. But, uh, uh, and we sort of were, but I didn't want to like, I didn't want to talk to him. I wanted to like hear what his deal was. So then finally I was like, hey, look, full disclosure, I'm only doing research for the pod. I'm doing research (laughs) for womankind. But the truth was this. I I had a situation with an ex-boyfriend where he was like messing around with people on these apps behind my back. And it Mm -hmm. like destroyed me. It was Mm -hmm. like horrible. It was horrible. So I told him that. And then I said like no judgment because I do not know what your situation is. I mean maybe his wife is in a wheelchair or maybe you know she's a raging bitch. I mean I don't really know what the situation is. <laughs> so what if she other? had been in a wheelchair is that what? I mean I don't know like just meaning that like maybe they hadn't had sex in 14 years. Oh okay. I you see know what I'm saying mean. like I just mean right. that like And maybe then maybe they have a situation these, that they Yeah maybe agree they have upon. a situation. Yeah. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. So I said like no judgment because I don't know your situation. Um, but I just kind of want to like put that out there that I want I I was sort of curious to see what it's like to be on the other end of this situation Mm -hmm. that I had experienced and also like these apps are that can they can be dangerous dot 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 and he wrote back he was like to be honest like they are really dangerous and I was like yeah um and I said to him I was like you know as a single person on these apps who's like supposed to be here right right I even find it hard to like, like they are set up in a way that you are always um, feeling like you're missing out on something better because it's just right. this endless stream of people. And I was like, but the God honest truth is it's really hard to find a match in mm-hmm. life. So just, I'm just going to throw that out there for you. And then he sort of responded. He was like, yeah, I guess I can see what you mean or I can see what you're saying. And then I just wrote like, Okay, well, I'm looking for a husband on here, but not one that's already married. <laughs> so, like, we're not a match. But, like, good luck to you. I hope that you find everything you're, you're looking, looking for in mm-hmm. your life. Like, good luck. Um, and then I just sort of, like, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I lo- went back today because I got another match. And I looked on there, and he had deleted his account. So I'm hopeful that you spoke that reason I, to him. Yeah, maybe he'll tell his friends, and his friends will tell their friends. <laughs> That makes me so... I was so sad. First off, incredible job, Katie. Well, I didn't want... I felt like... (laughs) I don't think I would do that. I I would see that and be like, fuck that guy. I I certainly wouldn't want to have any... Waste my time having a conversation with him. He's a scum, scum of the earth. Like, I don't want to engage. But I could see why it would be important to kind of do exactly what you did. I would not do that. So I'm I'm impressed. I can imagine a lot of people being like, you fucking piece of shit. Like, why are you even on here? Right. But like, I just, we don't know his scenario. We just don't know what his situation is. And I just was like, honestly, I was like, could I be like a voice of reason? Like, are you going to fuck up your marriage Mm -hmm. for nothing? Mm -hmm. I don't, again, I don't know what it is, but if it's sort of a regular situation and you're just like ready to cheat, 
maybe this is not worth it. These apps suck. Right. Get, get out of here. Which one can. was it? Bumble? It was Hinge. And Hinge, Hinge. is a pretty good one. But yeah. like, so if you're listening out there, if you find this, like, I hope you're well. I hope you're doing yeah. okay. <laughs> Talk to your wife. Figure it out. Figure it out. Get a out. divorce. It's okay. Whatever you need to do. That's, people are so afraid to have confrontation with their partners. They when, really are. It's really hard. I mean, I've been guilty of it as well. Know, you it know, it's hard. just very hard to really confront. But I've made that pact with myself and, and my partner now. It's if you even for a second... Like, you know, meet somebody that you want to explore more with. Yeah. Then just tell me. Right. Let's just talk about it. And I always feel we're like only human. And we are How definitely. Can you be, I, I can't imagine being in a marriage for 15 I mean, for years. Sure. And let's just say that maybe they stopped having sex five years ago. Right. And this man is like de- desperate to have, have physical have, contact. Yes. I mean, that's a real yes, thing. That makes sense. That's um, a real thing. And like. But if he can't have a conversation with his wife about it and she's not able to do anything on her end or something, then, like, they're in a bad place. And then that's when, like, cheating can happen, I think, too. Right. Um, the other thing is, like, we live in a more and more, like, liberal environment. So it's possible that he could have a conversation and they could open their marriage up or something. And maybe, right. like, be really happy and make it work out. I don't know. I don't know this woman. I don't know this man. But again, we have to have these conversations with our partners. Otherwise, right. we, you, otherwise, then it's just cheating. Right. And, and that, that, to me, you're sh- saying right then and there that you have absolutely no respect for your partner. Right. Because if you're going to lie to them like that, and then maybe you can fix it in the end, but why not just start off with the conversation of saying, hey, I'm having these thoughts. I'm having these feelings. I need to come. Right. It's been a while. Also, I it, it made me think about other scenarios that I'm aware of where, like, the wife is maybe, like, ha- like maybe doesn't like sex or maybe has, like, a physical problem where she can't have, like, intercourse because right. it hurts. And then, like, that really puts a damper on the sex life, obviously. But I was thinking about some of our episodes about, like, sex ed and how, like, we don't teach people that sex doesn't have to be intercourse. Right. So like you could be sexual with your partner and like you you never have to have penetration. Like you could buy a flashlight and work together with it or you could open your marriage up. Right. Or you could they could do the hand jobs and you could have like and then the in the woman maybe who if she was uncomfortable with sex, you can make it really comfortable for her but also like everybody can get off or whatever right. you want the arrangement to be. So anyway, I just that mm. sort of opened a whole other thought process for me where like but if you don't have a conversation, you can't you'll never get there. Right. And it'll be over before it begins, too. And then something... everybody hates each other, and like that's terrible. Right. Well, that leads me to a, an amazing story. It's your story. It's basically, once upon a time, I got a satisfier. Oh, I'm never right. leaving the house the end. <laughs> oh, so it's good, huh? Oh, my God, you guys. I need one. The Satisfier Pro 2, I think that's what <laughs> I got. <laughs> amazing. Uh, it's nice. It, it's almost too much. Oh, so I, like I have to like learn. I'm learning. Is I'm learning like levels. Setting? Yeah. Hmm. I'm learning all that. Maybe you should start low and like work your way up. I guess you probably start on high. Yeah, I started on high and was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a man ever again. Oh man, I just highly. But here's the thing that I think um, for women listening, especially in marriages maybe, uh, this is the kind of toy. By the way, it's a sex toy if you didn't know. Oh, yeah, you couldn't catch on um, <laughs> I, it. I haven't tried it yet, but I, it's the kind of toy that if you're with a partner with a penis or a strap on too, either way that together, those two together, I think would be just, I mean, yeah. So cool. And men don't be afraid of introducing sex toys into your, come on. Don't be intimidated. It's okay. Yeah. 
You're I had a man buy also, me the satisfier and yeah, I told him that guy gets it. He gets it. And I said, I still like you. I prefer you. Cause he was then getting worried. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh my right. God. I've never felt yeah. this way before. Well, it's like I think I'm in love. Um, <laughs> you know, anyway, but, but again, if you're with a partner and you're not satisfied, bring up, talk to them. Maybe you can start incorporating some sex toys, yeah. the satisfier pro too, and it'll save your marriage. Please. Who knows? Yeah. All I got to say is you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go out and get one. Oh, it's good. It's a good one. It's exciting. I have no segue into I our, either. our I don't know. topic this is like today. A different topic. But we just thought, I don't know. No, I, well, again, I just have to say, I, I am always impressed with you having these difficult conversations with people. Cause I've been in cabs too with you when like in Charlotte, North Carolina, we're in the cab and the guy's clearly a Trump supporter and talking nonsense about climate change. And you have a very rational conversation with him. And then in the end he's like, huh, I never thought about it like that. Well, take care. And then yeah. thankfully uh, you didn't yell at him because you had forgotten your accordion. Right. In, in that Uber. particular case, I had lost my accordion in the cab and I had to call him back. And if we had fought about Trump, right. I would never have right. seen that accordion back. But so. I've seen you do that so many times. And I think that that's a really cool quality because I'm the kind of person that like I have a harder time engaging, especially with strangers, about those difficult conversations because I don't want to engage yeah, I'm more of like, you ah, but your but your curiosity yeah. is is it's a fun to witness, and so yeah, well, um, and I think that maybe if he really did, you know, have a moment of clarity and say, you know what, maybe I should talk to my wife more, or or maybe he just like stuck to Tinder. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's just stuck to Tinder. <laughs> he's called a prostitute. Like, okay, well, you know, do what you gotta do. Well, I know. Uh, here's a good way to segue. Okay, let's see. Tell me, Bumble, Marie, you're gonna get us. You're gonna get us. <laughs> you're gonna get okay. us to the segue to this yes topic. so what so why what you while you were swiping uh-huh um were you listening to music no <laughs> <laughs> have you listened to taylor swift's new album no ah. so tell me about it that's okay oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm not i heard a couple of the singles and i was like no again you know, I mean, I love Taylor Swift. Okay, so folks, we're going to be talking music. <laughs> I don't know. That's not a very good. I it's don't fine. know. It's all right. But I will. There. I will talk Taylor Swift until uh, I'm blue in the face. I, I I fell in love with her when I was very young. <laughs> Same age. No, she's younger than just me. Just a baby. Um, I love Tay Tay, and now she is. I just came out on Forbes. She's like the highest paying paid female performer. Ever at $185 million she made last year, I think. I and then the next one under that is Beyonce at $81 million. Wait, how much was Taylor's again? $185. Oh, and Beyonce is 80 Well, that's a one. whole other topic that we'll have to hit another day. But interesting. Good Isn't for that her. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but I thought it'd be fun for the listeners to kind of hear our background in music because not we're only yeah. three on that list and we make <laughs> $70 billion. $70 billion, you guys. We made so much money no, because of our kidding. music career. Oh, my God. Um. So, yeah, we are in the music industry, which, again, if you've been listening to this podcast, you may not fully understand that portion of our lives. I don't yeah. know if you've never heard of us before. But we are in this band called Reformed Horrors, mm -hmm. and um, we write comedy songs and perform them. And all of our songs are original. Mm -hmm. People always ask, like, And oh. we, don't, we do not do parodies. No, uh, a and lot we of also write everything ourselves. Nobody writes for us. No, no. So that's, like, a whole thing. Where did you start your music career? 
Uh, church, nice. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, mom enrolled me and my sisters all in church choir. And I started at like four years old. Um, and I do remember it was so cool. And I'm still a very visual, visual learner. But they would teach us the, to, to memorize the songs by um, drawing, as, drawing them as cartoons. Oh, as children nice and so yeah it was this beautiful like there's the choir of angels and then you're gonna be singing about jesus getting struck down and nailed to the cross and so it was all beautiful. you know beautiful, beautiful songs <laughs> um but yeah i grew up in the church and so i started singing at a very early age but then um i always had a good ear and so i would do all the harmonies so i was always the alto doing harmonies that happened and, to me too in choir in, in high school like yeah. i definitely am a soprano like yeah big time but yeah. I, they always put me in the alto section because i could do oh really yeah. oh i didn't know that about yeah. you i never i didn't even know i was a soprano until later huh but yeah i was like hi guys what's going on i know um and then i have to attribute to like wanting to be in a band uh thanks to santa claus um <laughs> Like elves came out and were like, they were like, you should be. Yeah, I was like, what? I want to rock like the elf. Yeah. No, one year Santa um, <laughs> left a note saying Merry Christmas um, for for um, uh, maybe you didn't ask for this, but uh, it sure would be neat for you to be in a family band. And there was a guitar, uh, uh, a, tri- a triangle. No, yeah, a triangle and a tambourine. Man, I bet your parents regret that big time now. <laughs> They're like, why did we Santa Claus? Super concert? big time. Yeah, we were like, it was funny. I was super into it. Did you play Santa the wants us to be what in a band. I, a tambourine. I had okay. the tambourine. Play the guitar. Uh, Rachel, my older sister, the Margaret got the triangle. Uh, Rachel had to be the heavy on that I one. Know. That's like a lot harder to learn the guitar. It's like, come on, Rachel, get it together. It's like, Jesus. Well, Rachel uh, had a really uh, natural ability with music. My older sister, she oh, okay. and she has super long fingers. Oh, and good. so okay. um, we did, they forced us to take piano, like every child in Nashville, Tennessee, I guess. Or, oh, yeah. you know, Edwardian era. When, when would they What's- like... <laughs> When would they oh. like? When was that? A, when did they start doing piano lessons? Or, or no? Yeah, a, I mean, a, a like deal? for women to, you know, know. well, like to at Downton this. Abbey, you ah, know, the yes, the men yeah. would read the books and understand the how war works, and, and then the women, women would, would be able to play the piano, with the piano. <laughs> and sing opera and walk about the house and draw. No? Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I need to research that more. <laughs> yeah, probably. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we played piano. But Rachel was always so talented with that. I could. I'm really, really good at piano with my right hand. But then <laughs> right. doing it with the left together. But I played for eight years. Yeah. Uh, but you're you're good at well, a I lot of pi- instruments. Well, I played piano. <laughs> I took piano lessons, but I liked taking piano. Mm-hmm. And then I took voice lessons from my piano teacher, which mm-hmm. is strange. I mean, she was also a singer, so I was going to make a joke, but the truth is she was great. So I was going to be like, that wasn't, no, but, uh, <laughs> no, but so I did piano and, and I started taking voice. I kind of like secretly wanted to sing and I mm. was afraid to tell my parents in this weird way. So I would like sing. I was like, I'd come home from school and like my parents would be at work and I'd be home alone and I would just like sing in the hallway until they got home. I did not do my homework <laughs> and I would just sing all day. 
And I have all these weird tapes, like recordings. I have a little of like, recorder you of me singing, singing? the oh, same song over and over and over. Which I just song? like try to teach myself. Do you remember? I will always love you, Byron oh, Houston. I just wow, not a hard one at all. <laughs> I know. I was wow. just like going for it. I was I was not good. I mean, the the tapes are atrocious, but it was it was great. It was a good experience. I had this like goal. <laughs> I wish I could edit in that. If I had right one now. on me, I like oh pull my it god. Out it was, it's crazy. But I, my big thing was that like we had a seventh and eighth grade musical and I just mm. dreamed of like being the star of that musical. It's all I like wanted. Mm-hmm. And in seventh grade we did Oklahoma and I was like, oh, I have to like get Lori. You don't have to get the big part. And I got up there and I choked so hard. I was oh, like, <laughs> yeah. I was so nervous. I like, and then they put me in the play. It was like my first big play. And like, I watched the video of it a couple of years ago and I'm like, staring off into space for half the thing i'm like not doing the choreography i was like how did i get here like how did i get from that to this i just was a disaster on that show i had no part really yeah and then the next but i like was really really wanting to this i Mm -hmm. wanted it so bad Mm -hmm. so the whole next year i just sang and sang and sang after school i didn't tell anybody right and then that play they were doing peter pan and i was like okay the main thing i need to do is be loud Ah. For this audition, all I have to do is be loud and I'll already be ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. And so I got up there and I just was like, <laughs> I won't grow up. I won't. Like just saying like the audition song and everyone was like, oh, my God, she <laughs> is loud. Let's cast her. And then I got Wendy and Peter. In Pan. eighth grade. Yeah. Oh, so I did man. It. I achieved my goal. That's amazing. Yeah. You peaked. I peaked in eighth just grade. Kidding. No. Yeah, for sure. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So that hmm. was sort of like my first big. Musical. Did you? Were you? I mean, I, I've I've Success. never gotten the part. Still, yeah, still well, have never. I, really and then gotten I just the I worked really fucking hard. I like, mm-hmm. and, but it was all kind of quiet, mm-hmm. and like I didn't tell people I was doing this stuff. My parents were like, "Where is? What is happening?" Ah, I just didn't. I was very shy. I didn't mm-hmm. really want people to hear me sing unless I was like, "All right, here we go." Like, uh, here's my moment of truth or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. My brain works in mysterious ways. Uh huh. But then I was a music major in college. Hmm. And, and, I, and dance, right? And dance. I'm mm-hmm. not a very good dancer. I don't like to talk about that anymore. I don't like to talk about that part. Um, yeah. Well, I grew up going to not only choir, but um, we, again, with my sisters, we did the Nashville Children's Theater camp, summer camp. And I was like five years old, and I fell in love with acting then. And they had a lot of older people, but then I was the youngest, and I got my first role uh, was a piece of seaweed in The Little Mermaid. And I did this. Nobody can see you. I did. I was like <laughs> waving in the water. There you go. And my mom said I was the best piece of seaweed she'd ever seen. That's really nice. It was uh, lots of ni- nice, constant encouragement. But whenever I asked, I-, I would look in the paper for auditions and I would ask if I could you know, audition and they said no. <laughs> I wasn't even aware that that was, I don't even know if we had that in yeah. Maryland. I mean, probably not as much as in Nashville. Well, Margot, my little sister, auditioned for uh, Three Men and a Little Lady. The movie? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. They cast out of Nashville. That's exciting. She didn't get it. <laughs> well, really? I, I don't know. Um, amazing. Um, but then college, I studied theater education and then and took, you know, did all that theater stuff. And but then how we got to the band, that's the thing that I still can't wrap my brain around because... I was, I, I'm not technically trained, and I I was in a band for a hot second in college. We played one gig, and I sang Ghetto Superstar, and then that was it. Um, our band name was called Brown Sugar, and I was the front girl. I remember getting my nails done. I thought that was very important because <laughs> everybody would see my nails holding right. the microphone. Well, that's good. I didn't practice much. I, I yeah. was more concerned about the nails. 
So that didn't work out so well. Right. But when we met, I had recently bought a ukulele because that was when like the ukulele, I guess, started making. Well, the one thing that I will say about the ukulele, if anybody's interested in like learning an instrument and doesn't have it doesn't have any right. background ukulele is a good place to start yeah, it like is really a good babies can play ukuleles i mean small animals are yes. able to you know yeah train or so a cat. No, that's just kidding <laughs> that's not true but uh but it it's is like true. a good I think I saw a bird play <laughs> it a is ukulele. a good like starter instrument yes. though or like and also then you can get very proficient like marie has now on the ukulele well thanks yeah. i should practice more uh since my finger bled last week when yeah. we were playing it happens um but yeah so i bought a ukulele and then started just teaching myself from YouTube videos because there's so many music videos. If you pick up any instrument and you need a lesson, just YouTube it. Um, so then I and I'd already always written poems and and songs and things growing up, uh, you know, for friends or or especially in college, we did a lot of original plays. So I wrote a lot for that. And then I did a theater internship and I wrote a lot for that. So then it wasn't crazy to start writing music, but also it was very strange to all of a sudden be writing music and then playing an instrument and singing it together. Um, but I was cocky. And so I did it and I felt really good about it. And I put it up some videos up on funny or die and got some likes and things. And then other friends encouraged me to perform. And so I did this 30 minute show uh, opening for my friend Elizabeth blue, who we've talked about on the pod and then I didn't know what I was going to do after that. But then the skies opened up and entered Katie Frame into my life. Yeah. That party. Yeah. <laughs> At a party. At a party where there was a, a, a guitar player in the corner that yes. she had met that on the subway. On the subway that day. <laughs> that day. Yeah. <laughs> but where were you at, like in life when we met? With music and... I mean, so I was a music major in college. I'd been mm -hmm. doing music my whole life. I was sort of obsessed with singing and the idea of like... And it's funny, in retrospect, like, I, I was sort of ended up doing more like musical theater stuff, but I used to like... Mm -hmm. I used to like listen to like the Dave... Ma had a Dave Matthews like live concert and I used to pretend like I was in the band and I would do like harmonies to Dave, with, to Dave and I pretend like it was me and Dave's band and I would like imagine being in front <laughs> Dave of like and Dave, Matthew you know, and Dave, Dave and Katie Dave and Katie's called. And like I, we would like, there'd just be like these massive audiences and like, I just never thought that I could actually do that. So I didn't really pursue that for some reason. Musical theater seemed more attainable to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's so funny that we have performed in front of like thousands of people now, which is right. like, so crazy. But, uh, I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was studying music, so I knew theory, and like we were, we were. It's funny because I thought like I never felt empowered enough to write, particularly. I didn't mm -hmm. think that that was something that I could do. Yeah. And then when we started the band, I was like, I, the first song I wrote was Drunk Dial, and right. it was like we still play that song. Right. And so I was like, oh my god, you're I, like, I can do this. Yeah, I played you some songs I'd written, and you know, then the week later, you you wrote Drunk Dial, and I was like, oh okay, great. I think I struck gold with this bitch. <laughs> yeah, <that's good. laughs> it was very yeah. exciting, and I think I didn't really realize like how much my uh, my major is helpful <laughs> because I can actually like, I don't know. It's been really cool too to like have a reason to write because mm -hmm. my development I think is like, it's really grown a lot and I've been able to like really do some cool things. I don't know. I'm just really, it's an exciting platform to like have so that you can make your own, make your own stuff. And mm -hmm. like, and I was always writing like stupid limericks and things as a kid. So that stuff, I just like put it all together and then here we are. <laughs> it's like easy peasy. <laughs> easy Whatever. breezy. Yeah. Yeah, and I was in comedy groups in college and stuff. So we mm -hmm. we did a lot of improv, and we would like put these shows together where we started from improv and then like 
someone would kind of watch and then write the scene. But it was like we were kind of writing the scene in retrospect. Mm-hmm. And so like all that, I guess it just it all it just together. put it together. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I think it's a true testament to like I, I we always say that it was fate that we met because we instantly clicked in a professional way and a friendship way. But I, never before had I clicked so much with somebody professionally to be like, let's try to make this thing all of a sudden. Like yeah. I, I'd worked with other friends writing stuff kind of, but nothing to this capacity. Yeah. Um, but we were just, when we first started out, it was just really fun. For you sure. Know? I, mean, I remember my favorite story is when we first started, I was like, I went, cause when we met, I was like, ah, oh, I met this like cool girl. And I was like telling people about you and whatever. And I was like, this is, we're going to start a band. It's cool. And then I like come over, we start this thing. It was fun. We had a good, good synergy, like whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And I kept coming over every week. And then one day, and I'm like, my new friend Marie, my new friend Marie. And I was talking about you. And then one day you like look at me and you're like, you know what's great about us? And I was like, what? And you're like, we're not friends. <laughs> oh, so and I was mean. like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, no, we're no. not friends. You're like, yeah, we can just work together and not be friends. And I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, sounds good. sorry. Yeah. But I mean, I have kind of just, I mean, you're my best friend. You're like my sister nowadays. But uh, we, I don't work professionally with anybody this closely in any other aspect of my life. You know, I, I had another podcast with a buddy of mine for a year and a half, and it was like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I think it's always hard to find doing. Yeah. it's hard to find like partners, right. like, to, That work. And we were just sort of lucky that we were very lucky, right. and also we happened to kind of just be on the same wavelength at the same time, and then we've been able to kind of ride that out. Yeah. Which is good. But navigating the music industry has definitely been hard because we're, you know, flying blind a little bit because we don't know what we're doing. Well, I, my <laughs> big thing that I was sort of thinking about with this topic is that, like, the music industry has changed so much, too. Right. And so, like, it used to be a thing where, and I remember when we started, it was all about trying to get this, like, record contract and get a record deal and get right. a, whatever. And, uh we were we also were really lucky at hitting the U- the YouTubes at the right time <laughs> because like now YouTube is so much about an algorithm and well al- it's not even just the algorithm it's that like it's about money now they want you to like right. pay for the red material they're making their own content that they want to push ahead of your content record industry record labels are like paying YouTube to push their videos and mm-hmm. things first. It used to be this like democratic platform mm-hmm. and you can even see like in our videos, like we had one big viral hit for 500,000 views and then like then easily we'd post a thing and then it'd get 10,000 views. No big deal. And now we'll post a thing and we have more fans than ever and it'll get like a thousand <laughs> and it'll get stuck there. And you're like, there's something going on. Like that's right. definitely changed. The industry's changed in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, iTunes does the exact same thing too. When an album comes out, a lot of people don't know this, but if you're with a big, uh, you know, distribution company or you're with a big label, they're able to buy plays and get you at number one that very first day. So like with Taylor Swift, it's like, of course, she's like on Spotify. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's like all the top songs, like the top 15 songs right now are, are Taylor Swift. And yeah, because sure she is, so she made $185 million last year or whatever in music. She has the most money to spend on getting the most plays. So why not just do it? And that's what they're doing. They yeah. own the industry. And so it's really, really, really hard for independent artists to break through nowadays. Yeah. I and mean, even with like Billie Eilish, I, I, Eilish, Eilish, how old is she? She's 19? Six. I don't know. She's yeah. so young. <laughs> I'm just she's so amazing. Curious. I mean, her she songs is are unbelievable. Amazing. But I'm curious what her, I don't know what her background is. She, but she lives in LA. 
Like, is she a wealthy? I have no idea. Is she rich? I don't know anything about her. Bad story. I don't know. I don't know these answers, but this is what I'm thinking. She comes from money. Her family is our music producers. <laughs> I mean, that's possible. I have no idea. The other possibility is that like there is, we are in a world right now where like, even though it's not as easy as it used to be on YouTube, like Justin Bieber is a good example of like, he just posted some videos and or right. Bo Burnham, like right. he was just posting videos and then people saw them. And then the, then the companies kind of come in and swoop in and try to like take over your life. But, um, the, there is still some ability to get stuff seen with like Twitter and things. Yes, you know it's not yes. impossible. So it's also possible that she was just one of those right people. She's she's got some good shit out. There. I mean, you she's know, amazing, and her yeah. music videos are unbelievable. Yeah, I'm just a um, pessimist. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I mean, definitely that is a thing that happens too. That you know, yeah. if you have a lot of resources and you get pushed forward, that's like everything in America. Everything. You know, it's the way it is. It's funny though because I was. Um, when we were saying we we're going to talk about the music industry and stuff, the story I thought of right away was uh, Tenacious D because oh, they yeah. had that story and I, I couldn't find it. So I can't, I, don't quote me on this, but they had some sort of a situation where when they signed the contract for um, Tenacious D, the TV show for HBO, they like accidentally like signed the name away. So like t- HBO was like, we own Tenacious D now and they didn't oh, no. realize and they were trying to make a movie or something. And then HBO was like, no, but they must've bought it back or something. Cause they've done movies and stuff since then. And I can't find any, I cannot find the article that I'd read where it said that like it was a couple of years ago. I saw that, but it, additionally, what's interesting <laughs> about Tenacious D is that they were saying that like, I guess like that TV show was considered a f- huge flop. They only oh. made six episodes, and like I guess it, it de- I mean, clearly built like a cult following, right? And people were like excited about it to some degree, but it, and it was enough for them to now be like international superstars. But they considered that show a flop when it came out, and they just it was such a it's so weird. And then in addition to that, so then they came out with the album after they did the TV show, and the album was like a hit, but again, kind of underground like mm-hmm. hit. Uh, but then like. They're so famous. Like Jack Black is so so famous. So famous. Yeah, and they just and did still, another tour. Still how famous. long? <laughs> right. And he's what he just made Jumanji or something. They pay him like all this money. Like he's right. still like bringing money into these like box office hits and all that. But so then they had like another album they were trying to put out, and they made this thing called. It was like apocalypto is like the name mm-hmm. of the cartoon and they were like we've got we're sitting on gold here man we got we're sitting on gold here and like so everybody's gonna want to buy this they took it to netflix and netflix like pass oh no and then they took it to hbo and hbo's like hard pass and they were like oh my god like what do we do and then they put it on youtube instead and so i don't think it became this like huge th- the other thing about them <laughs> that's interesting though is that they i went and saw that tour mm-hmm. and uh you know it was great to see them but like the whole first part of the tour was them just playing the web series that they made. And it's so tone deaf. Like there's so many cocks and so many blowjobs and so many, and you're like, Oh God, guys, you're like, <laughs> you're getting left behind with the, like social stuff. But they also like shit on Donald Trump. So that was pretty good. <laughs> anyway, the point is that even they, like the industry is so upside down right now that like, right. it's just, you know, it's kind of still the wild west, even though, I can't believe that Netflix and HBO would pass on a Tenacious D they animated series. They couldn't either. They were like, what happened? Huh. Well, I've been reading up on, again, go back to Tay-Tay. Uh, so you know that she now doesn't own any of her masters because right. they belong to her old label. And then her old label just sold it to Scooter Braun is his name. Right. And that's like, like her arch him. nemesis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of like online bullying between his clients and her. I mean... 
I don't want to get into it too much because honestly, I don't know that much about it other than her. I watched her CBS <laughs> Good Morning America um, interview the other day about Lover, the new album. Hmm. And she was talking about it a little bit and she's going to re-record her masters. That's what I heard. Which is very exciting. I'm so curious, though, what that means, though, because you'll re-record them. But mm -hmm. then are you going to release them? Yeah, I would think so. But then where, like, which one, how do we listen? Like, they're both, there's going to be two copies of each song? Like, Wouldn't you she, want to listen to the newest mastered version of all as well? <laughs> Wait, no. I mean, they're not, are they re-recording or just remastering? No, I mean, I think that she's going to re-record. Yeah, I think it's so strange. I mean, I think that that's a great way. It's a great workaround. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, good for her. Do it. Right. I'm so curious of, like, how they release that, though. Because it's not that I wouldn't want to listen to it. It's just that, like... Then she's just putting out the same albums over again. Yeah, it's so weird. It's really yeah. weird. And I, I mean, again, I totally get why she's trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, ownership is such a big deal in music. And that, that was always something that terrified us, was, like, signing over our... And because every contract music. too does like you're signing over. Yeah. Like every, everybody wanted us to do America's Got Talent or um, any of those like online competition type shows. And the, in the contract, it clearly states like we own you. Right. <laughs> we own you for like four years. I mean, right. Kelly Clarkson was uh, tied to uh, was she America's Got Talent? No, she was uh, American Idol. American Idol. She was tied right. to them forever. Right. Um, which is it helps your career but then also then then what you. and then with kesha also the whole thing she signed when she was very young with a record deal uh for six albums and so she had to produce then six albums with it turned out the producer that she was working Dr. with Luke. yeah it was she claims that he like drugged and raped her right we don't know what what this whole story is but right that, and because it, she kept getting like to so take it to court being like i want to break out of this contract and they kept being like no right and, the, and, and then would, she would take it back too or i mean and they kept saying that her her argument wasn't strong enough it's like a very strange situation right um of course i'm inclined to believe that what she was saying is true i think also because these companies tend to eat you up and spit you out right um and they have more power and yeah. money and they can use it against you. I mean, one of the one of the um, judges that ruled against her in New York City was married to a Sony exec. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, like, that's the wait thing. A minute. It's like there's like definitely conflict of interest happening there. Well, that's another thing that's sort of interesting to me about how the industry and the entertainment industry in general, this happens like all the time mm -hmm. where these young kids get taken up by the industry. They get, get really famous and then they like lose their minds mm -hmm. like Lindsay Lohan or whatever. But I looked up, um, it made me think about Britney Spears oh. and I was like, what was the deal? Like what was going on there? And I was re and I, I guess we all kind of know, but like, you know, when she like shaved her head and like was sort of like, yeah, what happened then? Did you well, find she out? Was, well, I mean, they were just saying that like the pressures and stuff were getting to her. What she really only ever wanted was to be married and have a family and have a normal life. And, her friend was saying, like, you know, she would always talk about that, but we all kind of knew that just, like, wasn't really in the cards for her. And then she met Kevin Federline, mm -hmm. and he was, like, a loser. And But they had two kids, so she thought she was, like, getting the thing that she wanted. But then when her family, her, like, marriage started falling apart, she, like, lost her mind. She was mm -hmm. just like, I don't know what my life is for. She felt like right. people were always touching her. People are bossing her around. People are telling her what to wear. They're telling her where to go. She, her life was not her own. She felt like a doll. Like, she didn't feel, like... And the truth I is that like, they imagine. just don't care. Like right. they don't care about her. She they just make posted money. the other day on Instagram of 
um, about the trolls, basically. Of mm-hmm. like, I love, I love engaging with my fans. I love being here. I love creating art. But then I start reading the comments, and I am so. It gets me so sad, and I try not to look at them. But yeah, they're in my face all the time, you know. And so. I don't know. She really was our pop princess. And now we've kind of chewed her up and spit her out. For sure. I mean, for sure. And now we don't, you know. And nobody cares anymore. We moved on. Now we're talking about Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish. And, you know, like, we don't think about, like, her anymore. Right. She's like a person, you know. I know. But we've actually seen firsthand. I will not go into the details of this. But, like, we've seen firsthand the makings of, like, or, like, the trappings of, uh, like, management and teams sort of putting the money before the artist. Mm-hmm. And we know someone that um, was, tr- I think, treated like a piece of meat, basically, and pushed and pushed and pushed uh, beyond their limit, and then that person actually ultimately passed away. Um, mm. And, like, that really made me angry. That, like, this person was in trouble, as an artist and they right. and they were like definitely like needed help. They mm-hmm. needed like, you know, there's always like drugs and alcohol involved in these things. They needed someone needed to stop and go like, "Hey, like are you okay? Do you need like a break? Do you need whatever?" But instead it was like they'd be like, "You have another show. You have another show tomorrow. You have another show tomorrow." Mm-hmm. Um and they couldn't handle it and then they died. Right. Right. So like it's a real and like I mean it's people like what's her name? Um the I'm no good. What's her name? Amy um Winehouse. like Amy Winehouse. Right. Yeah, she right. uh, she's somebody that I think that like drugs and alcohol kind of got into her life with or without the industry. But like that the, she needed to not be where someone needed to be in right. there, like helping her, like whatever. But then she's on tour still and she's doing this. And I wonder about what her like team, how they were sort of dealing with her at that time. I don't know. I mean, I can't I don't know for sure. In that right. Case. Right. So we're just speculating, guys. But yeah, that. But I'm just saying that like people are not. They're commodities. And we've also felt the pressures of like teams trying to like get you to do something you don't want to do. And right. we were I, we were lucky that we were not children. Right. You well, know? we were and lucky we, we had, had each other. Yes. I think that if there was if we had been alone, you're coerced into believing these powerful men. There's a lot of men involved and they know better. You think that they know better than you or that they have your best interests at heart. But a lot of the times they don't. They just it's just money. I remember, I mean, so our second album, we got to record in Nashville, Tennessee at the RCA Studio A. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a legendary, very famous studio very where like cool Chet experience. Atkins played. I mean, everybody. Johnny Cash. Uh, what's the guy from Star, Star Trek? Oh, uh, yeah. What's his <laughs> name? What is his name? Ah! Oh, God. The guy that talks sort of like this. Yeah. What's his name? All his songs. Ma- Ma- like Ma- what is his name? Ah. Chris. No. Shatner. William, William Shatner. Shatner. Yes. William Shatner. He recorded there. Amazing. Amanda Palmer, mm-hmm. Casey Musgraves. Mm-hmm. So it was really, really exciting. Uh, but ben, we. Ben Folds had been like using the studio pretty full time too, but that was really exciting. Yeah, it was his studio. All he was his, leasing like, it. All his pianos were in there. It was neat. It was very cool. Um, but I have to say, you know, reading about the percentages of female producers versus men, I mean, it's like very, very small per, uh, percentage of female producers nowadays. I mean, still even 2019, um, especially sound engineers, very, I think it's like 5% in the industry are women. Um, and again, like we had all men involved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, we in the making of our album. didn't know, like we didn't have, the, the, we had a friend that helped us set up with the connection. So we didn't have a lot of control over who we got. Right. We ended up having an amazing, 
amazing group amazing, of people. We amazing. loved all of them very much, and they were incredible to work with. Mm-hmm. But yes, there were no women there. Yeah. Or people of color. Right. It was, you know, right. Nashville. But this is something also that um, now f- going into our third album, we are aware of this. Like, you know, I I pride ourselves. We're, we're producers. We're female sure. producers yeah. in this small 5% of us in the music industry. Yeah. We're, we're song- songwriters. There's a large, way larger percentage of men as songwriters. Don't get me started about the Grammys. It's right. like women are never, mm. especially for producers and mm. stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember in Nashville, we were so excited. And then this man that we were kind of working with in, in the industry, he stopped by the studio. And I, I just remember, like, feeling powerless in the way, because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be in this awesome studio. But also his presence was hurting the perform- our performance in some way because mm-hmm. it was distracting. But And, and not having, energy there. yeah, and, but not having enough, like gumption to speak up and say, you know, actually, like I am, we're paying for this. It's right. our money. You're right. not. Right. Like you might have helped with a little bit of a favor, but can you leave? <laughs> yeah. You're distracting. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's of any interest to anybody, but. Well, I mean, I think that what, I think that what <laughs> think. is sort of interesting then is like, okay, so if you're out there trying to like start a band or do a thing or make a project and you're like, I don't know where to start. And like, you know, you can be pessimistic about it and be like, oh, this industry, I, I'll never break in or I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be able to do that. There's like, there are a lot of options. Like, first of all, make your art, period. Make your art. Do it. Don't yeah. let other people tell you how to make your art. Don't, um. Don't get wrapped up in like the, you know, don't worry so much about, don't change yourself because some industry guy says, you should do it like this. You should right. cut your hair. You should lose weight. No, no. I'm, I think we're done with that. I think we should all just say no to that from here right. on in and just do our things because they don't actually end up knowing better. Mm-hmm. I think all the time, you know, sometimes you're really lucky and you have a really, really smart manager or agent that gets what you're right. doing. Or and Casey had, Musgrave's stylist right, right. now is killing, it. killing it. Yeah. <laughs> and we also know like we had a we had an agent at one point who was so awesome and right. so like got us. Yes. And that was like just felt so good. And he, he was empowered. Man. And he was a man and he <laughs> But he empowered us and cared about our opinions. So that's what you want if you're gonna be working with people and all that. And I will say that like we don't have any we're not we don't our albums aren't on a label. Like we don't have any representation right now. And we're do it all ourselves and it's like you can do it. Right. Well, especially cool. now you have Spotify, you have, I mean, everything's online. You can, you can manage yourself, you know, and we book our own tours. We, you know, we took ourselves to Edinburgh. We produced our shows there. And definitely it's, we're giving like the industries a run for their money. Cause there's more and more, these artists are not signing with labels mm-hmm. and they're like, you know what? I don't need you. Right. I make all the money now instead of having to give you any of it. Right. And I just don't need you. So I think that like, that's not, I know people are freaking out that the music industry is like crumbling. It's like, no, the industry is crumbling, but the music is never going to go anywhere. Right. And that is a good reason why people should follow us on Patreon. Absolutely. <laughs> that helps. Because again, you know, we are independent artists and we, we aren't with a label or anything like we just said. There was a really cool story of um, a band in Nashville, Delta Ray, and uh, they did a crowdfunding thing, and they, I think that they made like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars when they were just really asking for a hundred, and so now they're able to do everything that they've ever wanted. They're gonna, they're gonna film um, a horror musical. That's <laughs> like, fun. Wouldn't I, we've always wanted to do a, a horror movie? <laughs> yeah, a reformed horror. Yeah, reformed horror. Yeah. So I mean. I, I think 
thankfully there are these crowdsourcing websites like Patreon or um, GoFundMe or um, Kickstarter. All that stuff allows us to kind of take out the middleman and uh, create our own art for the fans and not let people take away. No, totally. You know, our dignity. But again, if you have a good <laughs> offer for us. Yeah, yeah. We have a know, third album just sitting there. Also, we need to. Yeah, we're, we're business ladies too, so we get it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, if anybody has any ideas. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I just, know. I just hope people feel empowered by, you know, you, you create your art. Don't let the industry tell you you can't. Yeah. Uh, if one, you have questions. One final note on uh, Tenacious D that I thought was interesting. Apparently, uh, so they're still with their label. Oh, yeah. And uh, they were saying that, like, I guess that the deal was it was a seven record deal. Ah. And they're only up to four. Oh, geez. And they were saying, like, if at this rate, our, like, next album <laughs> will be, like, 69 or whatever, or 78 or whatever. It was sort of funny that, like, they are still, the deal still, still down, they're yeah. still stuck to that deal. But, uh, wow. Yeah, we'll see. The man never finished it. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs> I can't imagine signing like a six, seven album deal. I just deal. would be like, I don't know if I have that many I'm albums. I'm like, let's just do one know. for starters. I, I don't know. That's it's weird. cool. Things well, I anyway. feel lucky to have you to be by my side. Me too. Navigating this crazy world called showbiz. Right. Anyway. Here's a song <laughs> to play us out that we wrote. Enjoy. Yeah. Five course meal that's finger. 